0: Hello and welcome into the Sports Loft. Today we are going to be talking about innovation in broadcasting and we've got two heavyweights to help us in that conversation. But first, if you do enjoy what you hear today, please log into uh, our website, sportsloft.co, and subscribe to the newsletter. Subscribe to the podcast wherever you get your podcasts and make sure to follow us on social at sportsloft.hq. Quick shout out to our talent partner, SRI. Thank you for supporting us and we're excited to get into this conversation today about broadcast innovation. Um, We're joined by uh, Michael Bucklin, who is the VP of digital content for Fox Sports. Mike, Buck, welcome to the podcast.
1: Yanni, thanks for having me, man.
0: Great, great to have you here. And uh, we've also got Nate Peterson, the president of Tagboard, who is an old dab hand at these
2: conversations. Nate, welcome back. Thanks, Yanni. That's my uh, my my third tryout to be your co-host, so <laughs> I hope this uh, this solidifies it. I even brought in the talent this time.
0: Uh, any uh, any time, Nate. Any time. So, uh, Buck, I'll start out with you. You've joined us uh, freshly shorn uh, as, uh, as, as you told us before we started recording. First time in five years that, uh, that you don't have facial hair. Um, but our audience can't see that, so uh, that's their loss. Why don't you give us a quick 30 seconds about who you are and what you do within uh, Fox Sports.
1: It sounds good, Yanni. O- outside of being freshly shaven, I'm uh, the, the vice president of digital content at Fox Sports. And, and what that means is I oversee the content team that produces um, content data experiences that, that you see on the all-new Fox Sports app, foxsports.com, uh, across Fox Sports social media channels such as Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, YouTube, uh, also Fox Sports audio channels. So what you see on Um, Apple pods what you see on Spotify etc we also um, ironically a lot of what we do with Nathan is integrating digital experiences into television so it's it's not just creating content for digital platforms but also creating digital first or interactive um, content experiences for TV as well
0: well that sounds incredible and I can't wait to get into that Um, and also mine you for uh, good information on our, uh, our our own little startup um, Nate, I'll kick it over to you and, uh, and give, give the people what they want. Who, who are you and what does TagBoard do?
2: <laughs> All right. So, uh, uh, Nate Peterson, I am the president of TagBoard. Uh, TagBoard is a cloud production platform uh, that, that focuses primarily on cloud graphics, real-time content. So, if you're seeing any of those uh, tweets going up on uh, Fox NFL Sunday, <laughs> Uh, describing what's happening out there in the, the Twitter sphere um, that's being powered by a little software called Tagboard uh, along with uh, Mike Buckland's team and uh, our awesome guy. we got to give a shout out to Mr. Conrad Company who uh, has helped us uh, <laughs> helped us grow across that landscape uh, substantially. Mm-hmm. So I'm um, excited to have this conversation today. It's pretty crazy how far we've come since uh Buck, what was it? The was it twenty eighteen World Cup, Men's World Cup in Russia when we first started with you guys?
1: That's right, that's right, and I think we've been at just about every single major event since then together, and just about every studio show at, at our company. So uh, we, it was a nice way to get
2: started, right? Yeah, it, it, exactly. You know, don't don't start small. But I, I remember you challenging us and saying, like, look, if you can come in and and prove your worth and uh and show us what the product can do for world cup uh there's a lot of opportunity to grow within fox sports and you aren't lying uh, we've we've uh, uh ever since been across everything that you guys do and it's been a, a you know a dream come true uh, being a little sappy hallmark moment here
0: <laughs> well that actually leads to a really interesting question because we'll be talking about a lot of stuff over the course of the next 40 or so minutes right we'll we'll, we'll be talking about what do you see as broadcast innovations? What, 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 you know, interactivity for the consumers? You know, live streaming, free D, freemium models, remote production. You know, how does digital content vary from traditional content? All of all of this stuff. But, you know, where we really uh, get get interested and excited is the intersection of technology and, and sports. Uh, and so my first question to you, Buck, is, you know, Nathan gave that that um uh lovely little background of you know you saying listen you come and you prove what you can do and then you can roll out across a wide variety how do you look at technology in terms of considering new opportunities uh do you do you strategically go out trying to find partners who can solve certain issues? Uh, Is it sometimes inbound and you go, do you know what? That could work for here and then we can roll it out. Is there a strategic approach to it? I'm just curious as to how that all comes together.
1: Yeah, that's a great question and I'm not sure there's just one way it happens. Um, You know, I think one of the great parts at working at a place like Fox Sports is you have a lot of incoming, right? Um, A lot of people have Mm -hmm. big ideas. They tend to focus those big ideas around big events. Someone's always going to have a great idea for the Super Bowl or the World Cup or the World Series, all events that we're, we're very proud to have. Um, and so we have a lot of incoming when it comes to what we proactively seek, a lot of our innovation comes from trying to solve problems, right? So it, it we might not even have set out to, uh, truly innovate necessarily, but we set out to solve a problem The the past two years would be a great example of that. We needed to relearn how to produce from apartments and garages and remote locations, people's childhood bedroom that they're, they're going back to stay with their parents, perhaps in, in a remote city. We needed to figure out how to solve those. Coming out of the, you know, coming out of the pandemic, when it's no longer necessarily a problem, it then becomes an opportunity um, that we would never would have known about unless um, we had a problem to solve to begin with. Um, that's one. I, a second, you know, if you want to call it a problem, is I think that oftentimes we're trying to figure out how to be more efficient. We're trying to figure out how to do more with less or more with the same. That often drives a significant amount of innovation. You're trying to figure out how can I do this faster. Um, Then there's another thing that that we like to say, um, we certainly didn't come up with this, but I'm not sure who did. Uh, But now and again, if you do the the same thing over and over and over and you get really good at it, now and again, you just simply have to surprise and delight your fans. Um, You know, you have to put something in front of them that stops them on a timeline, you know, while they're scrolling very fast through hundreds of pieces of content, you have to stop them. Um, You have to have something that they remember the next day. You have to have an experience that, that they're going to tell their friends about, and so in those cases, we like to innovate to innovate. You know, we like to innovate to see like what can we do to stop someone in their tracks, what can we do to just challenge ourselves to get a little bit better. So there's there's not really one w- direction in which it comes from, it comes from a lot of different directions. Um, but I even think back to sort of the roots and how we put social media on television. You know, which is which is Nathan's expertise. Obviously, his company has grown significantly out of, of out of that. Um, just doing that, they do a lot of things now with cloud production and graphics, but you know, it's, it started with you want to have a show that's just genuinely not not one directional. It's it's two directional. It's listening to fans at home. Well, now you got to find a way to put those tweets on screen. And it started with you got a graphics producer who's going to, you know, do a cut and paste on a on Twitter dot com and put it up on the screen. Well, it kind of looked ugly. How do you make it not look ugly? That's just a problem to solve. And now today we have, you know, uh, I saw a LeBron James tweet in, a, in an Ohio State Michigan game on on Fox. It's being watched by millions of people, and you're like, wow, we've, we've come a long way from cutting and pasting tweets onto the screen in, in a lower graphic, and now it's a standard operating procedure of what we do here. So that'd be an example of how you know, you can kind of use problems to drive innovation. Mm.
0: And how, how do you see fans' expectations changing about the broadcast product? Uh, you know, Nate, you guys have been really integrated in terms of Trying to solve for uh, uh, for the problems that are coming from a variety of different areas, right? Your broadcast partners, but also uh, teams, rights holders who are involved. What are they asking you for? What what direction is this fan interactivity going in in terms of experiencing broadcast in a different way?
2: Well, you know, I, I, there, there's a couple parts to that that question. I think actually, you know. You know I think Buck's going to be able to shed the, the, the best light and color on, on what the mm-hmm. what their fans are experiencing and wanting and what they're saying in the data. I mean, I would say, you know, first and foremost, uh, when they see that even for a half a second that they can become famous, right? If they're if they're like showing up on television, like the, the, the there's a massive spike in volume in terms of, of what people – uh, will do to try to show up and and uh, be a part of that conversation. Uh, but even taking a step back on like you know and, and providing some color on the efficiency side of things, um, you know after we I think it was shortly after the World Cup, uh, I traveled down to LA uh, with Christine Chalk, uh, who's the head of production on my team, a three-time Emmy award-winning producer, and and Buck set us up to meet Conrad in person for the first time. And I remember this was right around the time where we were um, rolling out our producer product and trying to get Fox to use it. And I remember Conrad sitting down with us in like a little like back backroom closet that was filled with all this sports equipment and a camera. And like he's like, we shoot different things in here all the time. And we shows we show him the <laughs> uh, we show him tagboard producer. And he looks at us and he goes. Seriously, he's like, you guys just eliminated at least eight people from the process of me getting one tweet to air. This is insane. He's like, this is going to be huge, right? And for us, I'm like, we we kind of knew some of the problems we were solving, right? But like, I don't think we knew the depth of it as we were doing it until we really started to get into the workflows of, uh, uh, of our clients, like Buck's team, and, and learning some of that, right? And when we walked out of there, I remember telling Christine, I was like, I was like, Conrad is like, I was like, this guy's going to be a champion for us, but like this team is going to help us evolve our product because that's how they're thinking, right? Like they're trying to figure out ways to become more efficient and tell stories with more context and tell stories that have unique approaches to fans. And so, yeah, I, I think like w- the way that that Bucks team pushes the envelope on that is really um helping us discover the future of honestly like some you know some things that fans probably never thought of right and and all of a sudden they're watching a show or they're they're able to do something with a show that they didn't think was possible um and and it's really unique Mm -hmm. and so we're we're pretty pumped to be along for the ride and
1: just beyond that too it's not just the efficiency it 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 helps you in so many other ways it it might start as being efficient conrad's right it it can do the job of eight people um Turns out, the more people reply to your stream, the more people see your stream, right? It's 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 earned media platform. Engagement drives viewership, so it's not just that one person who hopes to be famous who's responding. It's that person's entire timeline who's then exposed to your content. And then you go a step beyond that. People simply think differently. So you know we we're using we're using Tagboard at the Super Bowl down in Miami, and. We have a professional host who's, who, you know, we ended up doing a, an interactive experience with Brett Favre, Joe Montana, and Drew Brees, and we have the questions that we think of as people who work in media. But someone at home just simply asked, hey, Joe Montana, how do you deal, how do you deal with pressure? It's just such a simple question. It's just the way that people think. That's like what actual people at home on a couch think about and talk about. And Joe kind of laughed. He kind of leaned back and he goes, you know, you know those phones on the sideline you always think we're calling our offensive coordinator or our defensive coordinator. He goes, I figured out you could just dial nine and get out of the stadium. So I'd dial nine and call my wife when I was nervous. (laughs) (laughs) It's just different. So not only does the interactivity change the presentation of your broadcast, not only does it make someone's day and, and week and month that they'll remember you forever, but people are really creative. And if you crowdsource the people at home, you can get some interesting questions that lead to some classic answers like Joe's.
0: So how are you looking to develop that? How far can you take that interactivity? How, what's the what's the ultimate sort of goal to really bring the viewer into the broadcast uh, and, and make it personalized and individualized and really, really generate some uh, interesting content because everybody talks about user-generated content and how it's really, really important. Sort of there's, a, there's, there's that line with broadcast right now, but I'm, I'm curious as to which direction you guys are focusing on and where you think the, the holy grail might be.
1: This is something that we all need to remember though. Is that is that the main thing is the main thing, and people want to watch these events. They want to watch them on the biggest screen possible with the, the clearest audio. They want to watch the highest level presentation they possibly can. And we're pretty fortunate at Fox Sports. We have some rock star television producers that produce events, you know, as well as anyone in the business, led by uh, Brad Zager and his team, um, who are responsible again for producing the biggest championship events on the planet. I feel like our goal is to kind of draft off that. And there's those fans that, you know, 110 million people are gonna watch the Super Bowl, but there's gonna be three to 5 million of those 110 that want some sort of differentiated experience perhaps or perhaps we can hold them for an extra couple minutes or we can, we can engage them a little bit more deeply because they're just a different type of consumer. Um, they're the type of consumer who uses a second screen. They're the type of consumer that looks up gambling information at halftime to see how they get their money back in the second half. They're, they're the type of user that wants to tweet, they want their voice heard about the game or they want to see what you know, their favorite celebrity or personality is saying about the game. And that's where my team steps in and you know, we play around that periphery and we, we support that broadcast that's on air when it comes to um, what those fans are looking for, from what I can tell um, they're looking for something that enhances their experience. And for some people, they just want to sit back and they want to scroll and they want to see what other people are saying, but it's those people that really want to engage that really are curious, that want to ask a question that want to place a bet that want to share their opinion. Those are our bread and butter. And we just want to provide an experience for those people that's rich uh, it's still premium. It's still like, you're not just asking a question or asking a question of someone of the likes of, you know, Jimmy Johnson or Terry Bradshaw, or, um, you know, as I, uh, mentioned earlier, a Joe Montana, Brett Farver, Drew Brees. So we, we, we want to be interactive for the people that want to be interactive. We still want to do it in a highly, highly quality premium way. Um, and we want to do it in a way that complements the, the championship level broadcast that's, that's on that first screen.
2: Yeah, I I feel like uh, you, you know real quick Yanni I was uh I was just thinking about thinking back to the, the Miami Super Bowl too where you know there was this this um, <laughs> really unique thing that that Buck and his team did with the uh, with the show called the Reunion. Uh, you know, Buck, maybe maybe give a uh, uh, fifteen seconds on that because I've got a I got a fun story for that that I think adds another element of why this is important.
1: Yeah, sure. So uh, whenever we go to an event, whether it's you know a, a World Series, a Super Bowl, a World Cup, you name it, um, we kind of want to turn the local city into like the third team, so to speak, um, or I suppose in the World Cup, the thirty third team. And in this particular case, we are going to Miami, and we wanted to invite people to Miami and you know what it's like to be in Miami. So who better to introduce you to Miami uh, than some of the stars of, of the famous uh, Miami U Hurricanes. And so we brought in Ray Lewis, Reggie Wayne, uh, Ed Reed, and uh, we actually had Jimmy Johnson, their old coach come out. Uh, but basically we just, we just teed him up, uh, Michael Irvin, of course. We, we basically just teed him up and said, we're gonna live live on a wire. We're not gonna ask you guys a, a single question except for our opening question, which is, you know, tell us about the golden days of Miami sports. And Ray Lewis looked at us, he goes, that's all you got to tell me? Just tell me when to wrap. An hour later, <laughs> we signaled to him behind the camera to wrap. The entire time they were live and they were, they were just uh, being athletes, being authentic and telling us incredible stories.
0: That's incredible. Just to put just to put that into context, real quick for our European listeners, that's like getting the class of '92 from Man United or something like that to sit down and talk about what was great about Manchester in the '80s and 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 why they were <laughs> fans of Matt Busby's. I mean, that's incredible. I, ha- I haven't seen that. I need to look it up. Sorry, Nate, carry on.
2: Yeah. Well, no, we can. We will have to send you the link. And uh and so the the funny story behind that was that Buck invited uh me and. And josh, our our founder and CEO, over to uh, to basically sit backstage to watch this incredible uh, incredible happening uh, in Miami. And we uh, we happened to land, uh, and we were right on time, but got stuck in Miami traffic. And I look over and Josh is asleep in the Uber, and I'm sitting here, like, you know, like, like kind of poking the Uber driver saying like, dude, can you go? Is there any other route you could go? I can't miss this. I can't miss this. And like, there was no hope. We were, we were stuck. Like we were not going anywhere. And I'm like, I'm going to miss this show and I'm sitting in my chair and I'm like, wait a second. No, I'm not. And I, I pulled up Twitter and Twitter live and pulled it up on my phone and I just started watching it. And then I was able to interact with it. And then I was like, this is like, you know, almost just, it's just one of those moments where you just sit back and smile and you're like, this is what this is for, right? It's like, I'm a, I'm a fan. Uh, I may not have the direct experience that I wanted to be standing backstage, but you know, there's only three or four people in the world that are going to have that experience. Um, You know, but to, to be able to just pull it up on my phone, watch it in HD and be able to interact with the show right there in real time was just like, it was, it was a very eye opening moment for me. I was like, this is, this is where this is, it's here and it's where it's going to continue to go, right? To, to Buck's point, right? It's like, it's not, the, it's not the Super Bowl. Like, the Super Bowl I want to watch on the largest screen possible or I want to be in stadium. But every surrounding event, I mean, there's so much opportunity to, to you know, like, to watch something as unique as the reunion was just incredible. I mean, like that, you know, to, just to curate that level of talent and produce a show where you basically just give them a, a one-liner and they start and they go for an hour. I mean, that's you know that that's not something everybody is capable of doing. And I think that's what sets Fox Sports apart uh, in many ways is, is their ability to understand um, you know the the type of talent you put on screen and 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 give them that opportunity. But you know to to bring the fans closer and give them the opportunity to interact like that's that's where that's where this is all going.
0: Um, I wanted to pull it back to something that Nate just said. You know about watching and and this would have blown my mind even you know five years ago maybe but maybe not five years ago but certainly ten years ago about watching something on Twitter live in HD uh, and you know being able to follow something uh, at, at, at that kind of level and this is another innovation that I think has come on come on in leaps and bounds which is mm-hmm. that in terms of using different platforms where the people live and exist whether it's Facebook watch or YouTube or Instagram live or Twitter live or whatever it might be, the production values have just skyrocketed, right? So it's not just some dude standing there with a camera and a phone, which is, which is great. It has its place. And you know a lot of people love to see that kind of thing, but it is something that's kind of really stepped up. How do you at Fox Sports look at that from a digital perspective, sort of really differentiated from the main thing that you were talking about earlier, right? And how do you make a decision about what level of production you're going to hit, whether you go for the full K, full 4K multi-camera production, or whether something is more raw and authentic, um, and and how has that entire uh, technology base developed over time in order to enable um, better better live streaming?
1: Yeah, it's really interesting because sometimes you see a, a piece of grainy footage that feels incredibly authentic, you know, can do better mm-hmm. than a piece of really high quality footage of of something that maybe feels contrived and. Um, <clears throat> and look, we're we, we also uh, I, I think there's a uh, an idea to, to, to think about that uh, I have not fully f- uh, fleshed this out, but I think it's it's interesting is you you want your subject matter to always be uh, equal to or almost slightly better than your production quality. And if you have something that's not very interesting but it's an incredibly high quality, it actually sort of makes it worse. And I used to say this is like my uh, Flappy Birds uh, analogy. Uh, if you ever play the game Flappy Bird, the gameplay is incredible. The graphics are low bar. We love it. It's like why we're so um, we love old video games because it's nostalgic. But the gameplay is incredible. It's just it's an eight bit um, and you kind of want your so you kind of want your quality to either be better than or 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 uh, or sorry, your subject matter to be better than or equal to your quality um, that's. Uh, there's absolutely nothing better than when you have absolutely incredible subject matter and you have absolutely incredible quality and they both meet at the top. That is when everything is gold. Um, but I've had, uh, you know, probably every year since I've, I've worked here and, and even beyond that in, in a former life, um, I want all my top producers who are on the ground to have the latest iPhone. You know, I, I don't want them shooting content behind the scenes or on the sideline. You know with with a low-end camera i'd I'd rather have them with the the latest iphone uh 12 pro um if that if that is what the latest iphone is I, i haven't been keeping up on it but um they have the permission and the expense to go get the latest iphone because they're going to be behind the scenes they're going to have moments on the sidelines they're going to get to stand by a pylon they're going to get to stand in the tunnel or they're going to be behind the scenes with our talent and i want them to capture that experience um now maybe where the change happens is Cell phones generally are ergonomically tall, you know, and perhaps we're shooting tall rather than wide, you know. And there was a day where you shot everything wide just for the rare chance you could get on TV. It should be wide. Um, We're generally shooting a little bit more tall these days, but as you know, my Flappy Bird analogy is kind of going away because production technology is just increasing so significantly that sometimes I I look at a, a piece of footage. And I don't know if it was shot on an iPhone or I don't know if it was shot with, with a high-end camera. A lot of times it gets down-resed anyway to be on the platforms that we serve them on or they're down-resed because of the connection that you might have. So um, I see it all coming together over time. Uh, I just, I, I generally, like I would say, it's probably a little bit less about quality. And, it, and for me, it's more about something about it, if it's on the internet, feels a little bit more internet. Um, and sometimes that means it's shot with a cell phone. And you can see it's a little shaky. It's not the... Brilliant, smooth shot of a of a you know someone who's got a steady. Um, but I do generally think that I like things that are on the internet to feel like they're of the internet, because that's what the people on the internet have told us they want. And and that's very subjective, and that's a lot of that to feel, and that's why generally you hire people that were born on the internet. They're generally going to be better at bringing that to life.
0: Yeah, yeah, that's that that's for sure. I mean, if there's ever been a generation that I feel. Kind of more proud of and terrified of at the same time. It is this generation. You know, my two-year-old son is already walking up to the television and trying to swipe it. You know, he's like, <laughs> "It's like you're two. How are you doing that?" Um, yeah. But it, it is it is this thing about being entirely digitally native, right? And 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 sort of intrinsically and inherently understanding how how different formats and different contents apply, and 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 that being part of the inherent makeup of every, every sports fan. And, you know, speaking of that, um, Nate, you guys, uh, you know, you guys have, um, stepped very heavily and sort of provided a lot of solutions for a lot of this development, you know, whether it's around, uh, remote production and broadcast and, you know, the kinds of stuff that have happened and that organizations have needed to do over the past 18 months as covid has hit um you know uh on on previous podcasts you talk about the example of the nfl draft uh which i think is a really good one and sorry to bring something that uh, you know bring something up that wasn't necessarily directly with fox sports but but i think that's an excellent example of uh, uh of you know how organizations have suddenly had to pivot and to focus on a different ways of producing and b different ways of delivering content because of the pandemic, and I'm really curious, you know, t- tell everybody a little bit about that and kind of what happened. And then I'm really curious as to your view as to where things can go from here in terms of those kinds of uh, those kinds of innovations uh, to, to to deliver um, a variety of different content for different platforms.
2: Yeah, it's a, a you know, great great question, and we, I think, you know, I'd, I'd uh, be lying to you if I said we didn't. You know, take a look at what was happening with the pandemic, uh, you know, early in 2020, and and have a slight chill down our spine, saying, "Wow, this this could be really bad for uh, for our business," because it was really bad for everybody that was across sports and entertainment in some way, shape, or form, right? And those are all of our our best clients, uh, and so uh, we knew it was going to have a hit. But what was interesting is that. Um, You know, we obviously saw a big hit on the stadium side of our business where people use tag board to produce in-stadium programming, in-game programming. Well, you don't need that as much if uh, there aren't fans in the stadium. Um, But what we saw was a massive uptick in people calling us and saying, hey, we're going to translate that experience that normally happens in stadium to... A live stream and trying to figure out how we still get to touch our fans, how we still get to approach our fans in a unique way and make them feel like part of the action. Right. And so I think it was like this, you know, it it wasn't it wasn't new. Right. It was a it was a blow up of the things that, you know folks like Buck and his team have, have pioneered for, for the last couple of years into this new, you know, fan, fan engagement space uh, on top of broadcast, you've now got the rest of everybody catching up saying like, okay, we have to figure out how to actually like reach people that are sitting on their couch, um, you know, uh, that can't make it inside of the stadium. And so it was, it was really, uh, you know, we saw the, the graph go up and to the right in terms of people wanting to do live streams to reach uh, to reach their fans, especially on the team level, right? Um, so mm-hmm. that that was where it was really interesting, and I think that once they realized how efficient uh, the process is to do it, um, it it helped everybody understand that it that it's possible, right? I mean, I think Buck, you could probably speak to even like five years ago, this would probably not have been um a a possibility just because the the technology wasn't quite there and the 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 knowledge that people have of what it takes to do a live stream definitely wasn't there and so you know uh, there I, th- I think it, i think a lot of people just stayed away from it unless you're a major broadcast organization who really kind of knew your stuff and started to push into that area but like teams you just didn't really see it as much right like they're they're like oh no that's going to take us 15 people in a studio and massive amounts of hardware to do this um you know I think that a lot has changed in that respect where people are like oh I can't actually produce you know I, I actually i'll kick it over to you buck and say like what what's what's the minimal amount you think it would produce to you know if you were a let's just say you're the the um san francisco 49ers and you wanted to go with like the leanest possible approach to a live stream what do you think it would take well first
1: of all if you wanted to
2: you could just have a personality
1: uh take 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 a phone and point it at themselves and just read the comments and answer them which we you know strange this is like the, this is like the airplane q a right uh, we just had uh one of our Jeff Schwartz is a out here. Alexi Lawless does this in the <laughs> soccer side quite a bit. Hey, I'm on a plane, I'm bored. Anyone got a question? You know? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I love that. It's actually fast it's 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 really fascinating. It's it's
0: like one of those things that you you kind of become I keep refreshing if it's somebody interesting, right? right. And they provide good answers, I become fascinated with just refreshing the Instagram feed and seeing what they say. And also, like you said before, what questions are people asking? Right. It's like you get some off the wall stuff.
1: You, you really do. It's like the the questions that people Ask. I, I mean, look. There's that that. So many people. It's become a meme. Like I'm here for the comments, right? Like <laughs> the, the comment section has also weirdly become part of the content experience. You know, where you just want to see like what are what are people going to ask? What is he actually going to answer? It's kind of a fascinating thing in its own right. Um, but you know, now I mean, we we had um, we have interns in right now, right? And and all of our interns, um, it's it, it's it's literally it's made so easy that our our interns can run Tagboard graphics now. You know, it, it's it, it used to be wow. incredibly hard. I mean, you talk about five years ago, Nathan, five years ago, we didn't have the ability to do tag board like on a phone. And so I, I'll never forget this. We, we'd have uh, someone someone Nathan knows, Elijah Cohn, He's producer of our Crooked Media now. He used to run, he used to have a laptop. He's set up just like this. And he used to have a person next to him that had Twitter open and we'd be recording a broadcast and we'd have um, We've got someone filming. And in order to be interactive, the talent would tell people, hey, if you have a question for us, tweet it at the show or tweet it with this hashtag. Elijah would turn to the person next to him and say, that's the tweet I want, write it out on a piece of paper. We'd write it on a piece of paper, we'd tape it to a football, we would throw the football into the set so our talent could catch the football, take the piece of paper off and read the tweet out loud. So they'd be like, At Yanni says, and they'd read the question, right? And so you'd have this camera person who's, you know, holding the cell phone up for 45 minutes trying to do it. You'd have this uh, multi-person behind the scenes situation trying to write out tweets, identify tweets, you know, throw it in. We literally had a person who's like, okay, they got the pen, they got the tape, here we go. I mean, that's real. That was only five years ago. And then I look up and you were asking about the NFL draft. We did our own NFL draft watch party this year. There were probably 12 people doing nfl draft watch parties almost every single one of them had an endless stream of 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 question and answer um going on in their graphics um that's just completely unheard of five years ago and today it's the expectation and, and again it, it's it's going to not just be the difference in the quality of your broadcast it's going to be the difference in the reach of your broadcast because the more people that ask you questions, the more timelines you're exposed to and, and that's just fans asking questions yeah. All of a sudden you got influencers asking questions. You get that blue check mark asking a question and you get to put that on, on screen and that's a wow moment. You know, and then, then all of a sudden you're being exposed to that that blue check marks timeline, which is significant. Now you're reaching real fans. Yeah. So the the way that it's evolved from us, which is actually writing it out on a piece of paper and throwing it into the set, to now looking up on the biggest nights of the year and seeing ten to twelve media companies with, with tweets all over their screen, it's it's come a long way
0: indeed and all of those will have been done completely remotely given that it was lockdown and COVID, right so so you'll have you'll have had to presumably figure out how you're gonna uh how you're gonna film it how you're gonna get into people's rooms and uh stuff like that you know yeah. in the in the briefing notes that the sports loft guys sent round, they they said i'll read the question out." at the start of the pandemic lots of thoughts were given about remote production is that still the case is remote here to stay i'll actually take it a step further because you know we're we're now um uh, uh, for those who follow the podcast, they know that um, we're setting up. I'm, uh, I'm setting up an all-electric powerboat series called the E1 series, and we're th- we're talking. We're starting to send out RFPs for broadcast production right now, um, and we're a traveling circus, right? We're going to be racing in Venice and in Stockholm and in New York, so we got to build up and, and tear down at, at, at every location. Uh, and so we're approaching it. You know, five years ago, same thing. Formula E, build the whole thing up, tear the whole thing down, go. We're now approaching it. We're starting to race in 2023. Not even sort of, it's not even an expectation. It's like a given that we're doing remote production. It's like, you know, that's right. it. So my question starts to become is there even a place even more for on site production? Um, beyond kind of, you know, what you need in terms of talent to be on the ground to interview people and, you know, maybe some backdrops and, 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 and uh, ENG cameras. Like, is it, it, how, how far is this going to go? How are you guys seeing it at, uh, at Fox?
1: I, I think it's going to be a mix, but there's there's definitely going to be things that can be done from home like it just it's forever changed. Again, it started off by trying to, to fix an issue. How do we do this remotely? And it, and it evolved into, wow, this actually makes us significantly more efficient. In some cases, there's no ne- uh, noticeable change in quality. Um, a great example would be recently we were at the Major League All-Star or uh, Major League Baseball All-Star Game in Denver. And we used to bring a team to site that could tap into every single camera that was in the stadium. And I don't know how many cameras there are, but there's a significant amount of cameras. And it used to be that you needed someone to go there. They needed to be in the truck. They needed to have access to these various cameras. We got a guy on our team who's a wizard named Mike Jankolovitz who manages this for us. And, and Janko, as we call him, he hits me up. And he's like, I don't have to be in Denver for this anymore. And he, in like a small room in Los Angeles, he was able to tap into... 30-plus cameras in the stadium. And he was able to take that live to our to our uh, Fox Sports app, to our foxsports.com website, to our Fox Sports channels across social media, and cut cameras during batting practice of the All-Star game. And he sends me a text like five minutes into it, and he goes, we have 26,000 people watching us right now, and I'm doing this from L.A. One-man band. That just wasn't possible prior to this. It, it, if, if it was, it wasn't made easy. We didn't know about it you know, but now it, it's just like a given, uh, at the same time, you know, we're, we had a, a, a an original digital show that was on site, uh, flipping bats with Ben Verlander, one of our, our new products, uh, sort of engineered for a younger uh, demographic. And we, we show up to site and without a doubt, you know, Ben needs to be there in person in order to do his job as a talent. He can't do his job as a talent from LA. Uh, he's booking guests. We can't book guests you know in denver uh, as easily if we have to send them over to you know some sort of production room and have them on camera and mic them up and whatnot it's easier to walk up to them um and ben ended up having uh, a hell of a week and we we set records for that show that doesn't happen unless he's on site right so i think that there's there's a mix there's the things that you need to be on site for that you'll always need to be on site for then there's the things that technology has changed it forever and we can do those things from Los Angeles and still get significant quality and the, the fan at home would never know the difference. Mm.
0: And, and and Nate, to that effect, like what, what where do you guys see this going and what do you I mean, without giving away the secret sauce, right? But what are you guys thinking of developing in order to enable partners like Fox Sports to do those kinds of things, to be able to do remote production? What's the what's the future? What's the technological implementation that's really going to continue to help that journey.
2: The beauty of that is that, you know, we, we have the opportunity to develop a lot of our roadmap with great partners like Buck and his team. Um, you know, it, it starts, as, as Buck eloquently said, just solving problems. Right. I mean, we we solved a, a pretty uh, what what seemed like a, a simple problem and in, in just putting, you know, a, a piece of social content on air. Um, we made that infinitely easier, and then we were able to translate that into what would it take to make graphics infinitely easier to create and put on screen and edit. Um, you know, we, we've, uh, we've worked with, the, you know, with teams like Fox Sports every step of the way to make sure that as we're developing this user experience that, it's, that it makes their lives easier. It takes less people to execute it. Gives them more flexibility to execute across different areas now we're um you know we're working together on a product to um uh, you know to to pull in some different leather levels of uh, data apis into the graphics so that it just gives them more options for storytelling um you know as time goes on um you know and and you know long story short i mean i think that's always going to be our game plan is to work with our most innovative partners to to really develop out that roadmap, because they're the ones that are willing to be a couple of steps ahead of the game. And as we do it, and as we prove it out, and as they put it on on television, and other folks see it, there's a lot of people that will come along the way uh, and 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 be on the same path. They may be, you know, a couple months behind, they may be years behind, in some cases, um, you know, but uh, we're really lucky that we have innovative partners like Fox Sports that, that really want to push the envelope and, you know, and, and Buck and I can sit down and have a dinner and say, okay, what's next, right? Like what else, what else can we build in your workflow that makes life easier, that consolidates vendors so you don't have to use, you know, 10 different people to produce one show or sorry, 10 different companies to, to produce one show. Um, you know, so we we really work on that as a as a strategic value, and you know, I think that comes with uh, it comes with a lot of things, right? It comes with the relationship that our teams have developed together. It goes way beyond me and Buck. Uh, we're probably, I'd say, you know, we'd we'd probably both agree we're the least important person in the room. It's usually people like Janko and Conrad that are working with folks on my team like Sky and Christine. Um, you know, in our, in our product development team to make sure that, that we're doing the right things, right. And, you know, bucks and my job is mostly to, to support and make sure that, um, make sure that the roadblocks are clear for us to do awesome things together.
1: It, it's really interesting, like how simple, but challenging that can be of like, here's a great, a great example that Nathan just, just mentioned consolidating screens. Like everyone has the shot of the director in the control room with 45 monitors in front of them and they're like it's like sitting in the cockpit of an airplane you're like how do they even know what's happening and if you can make their experience simpler there's less room for mistakes and there's greater room for um for for being highly effective and efficient in their production and so it sounds simple but that was a challenge and you know we approached Nathan and his team and said how do we simplify this how do we just have less screens? Because right now we have TagBoard, then we also have this separate graphics package, then we all have to bring this into a, to a live timeline. And that, that sounds easy, it's really not. And they, they did, and they brought it all together. Well, there's other parts of that outside of the efficiency of it, just the fact that your eyeball has to look at one less screen, um, which, is, which is very effective. Um, but also, we want to have very high quality productions that have very high quality design. I think I have one of the best design teams in the industry period, and, and we have just some absolutely fantastic designers. Well, that means that I want the, the interactive experience in each broadcast or in each digital product to look unique. Well, that generally means that I need my designers to get in there and make it look unique in real time. Well, in the past, we'd send our graphics over and we would work with their team and they would manipulate the, the, the presentation and they would send it back to us, and then and it sort of baked at that point. We run with it. We say to them, "Hey, we'd like the ability to to make changes on this up until the last minute, because our designers are, you know, they're chomping at the bit to make these subtle changes that make it just, you know, from take it from good to great." And their team's able to work with us on that. And so you're consolidating mm-hmm. screens. You're you're adding adaptability. You're adding the ability to apply these custom touches. And and all of a sudden, I look up and. We launched a a product, uh, what is Wednesday? So we launched a a, a new season of Club Shay Shay with Shannon Sharp on Monday. And the graphics package is just absolutely beautiful. It's just, I'd ask you all to go look at it. It is so beautiful. Even our competition was telling us how damn good it looked. And that's just not possible unless our designers like Abby Treese and Brad Psyche and Danny DeVito and others whose names I'm missing, they get in there but he, you know, they're able to get in there and they're able to make these these also slight tweaks up until that last minute that just make this this broadcast and the interactive portion of this broadcast just absolutely beautiful, and and you know Nathan and his team providing our design team the the ability to do that it, it's made a world of difference and you don't think you notice it until you see someone who still just copies and pastes the tweet out of Twitter.com and puts it on the screen see how low quality that is and how distracting that is. And, and and you really can appreciate it when you see that difference.
0: It's all it's all about people at the end of the day, right? It's all about the people who deliver it and actually delivering it for the people who want to consume it. And and if you have that focus and if you can deliver that, that's that's great. So we've been talking a little bit about um, you know how fans interact and how you know um, we mentioned that, uh, that I'm here for the comments, right? And and how that all comes together. That obviously all. Oh uh reflects the community and obviously you know if you have now you have this um these people who are community managers who cultivate this kind of uh position uh and and try to get people engaged and 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 interacting uh with different digital or social products to keep people engaged and feed into different timelines but how are you guys seeing community and how are you seeing it evolve over time and how are you trying to address that in order to keep them engaged
1: well, community I think inherently is is core to sports right we we can all connect with each other over the team that that we love or grew up grew up watching and I, I think that community around teams or around leagues is is inherent it's always been there what what I'm seeing that's changing is that there's more and more community around personalities and when we go out there and now we look to find the, the the types of personalities that that fans want to listen to uh, that fans want to interact with I' tell you that Finding personalities that have cultivated communities or are core members of communities is now absolutely one of the core traits we look for when hiring talent. And so, a great example would be you know, recently we hired um, a young man named RJ Young, and, and RJ Young covers college football for us. And RJ Young did not work at a competitor, he did not work in major media. RJ Young had a, had a YouTube channel and RJ Young had 60,000 subscribers to that YouTube channel, and those subscribers watched him at uh, an average clip of above 10 minutes. You're not gonna find many people like that that have that that level of stickiness, to have 60,000 people who are watching 10 plus minutes. But the reason that RJ Young was able to do that is RJ Young doesn't say the word I or me a lot. He uses the word we almost entirely, and he sees his channel as this group of people uh, that he essentially responds to every single question that anybody asks him. If people ask him to cover things, he sees it in the comment section. He covers those things. I'm a Georgia football fan. Recently, we signed a new five-star running back. The very first thing I did was hit up RJ and say I need content around this, and he delivered. Um, you know, he's again. It we know that comments drive additional exposure. If you have 50 comments and you respond to all of them, you now have 100 comments, and you're going to reach more people. Uh, but it's this real, it's this feeling of community that that he was able to, to 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 cultivate. And I think it's why people love him. I think it's why sponsors love him. I think it's why fans love him. It's certainly one of the reasons we love him. Um, and when he agreed to come work for Fox Sports and take a, a chance on us, he released a video. He was very emotional. And he, he said, we work for Fox Sports now. We work for Fox Sports now. And he was emotional about it. And he talked about the journey that that community went on. From you know, when he was a YouTube channel that was getting 120 views a video, to a YouTube channel with 60,000 followers the people who are following him every step of the way, and it's amazing to see how these people root for him. And we have other talent like this. You know, we have we have a we have a, a, we have talent who are part of ver- various communities. Charlotte Wilder is is just part of the Twitter sports community. She's she's more or less live during every single event you could ever watch tweeting about it live, answering questions from fans live, being part of the conversation. Uh, Mark Titus famously, our college basketball analyst, famously had a community that he called Club Trillion. And uh, Trillion is when you play one minute in a game and record no stats and it comes out to a trillion. And he has this massive community of of fans that like him uh, for his quote unquote views from the end of the bench. And it's just this community of fans that are going to follow him wherever he goes. You know, we have um, Ben Verlander, who's covering um, baseball for us, and he has been very early on Shohei Otani. And the Japanese community that has followed his perspective and celebration of Shohei Otani has followed him into every video he releases, into every tweet he sends out, into every podcast that we release with him. And so I see community as, as more than just around the teams. It's really becoming part of these personalities and it's becoming a core reason that we hire personalities. We look, do you have community? Can you engage them at a high level? And I think that as you see people lean into new emerging trends such as gambling, you're gonna see the people that are the best at it are the people that lead communities of gamblers. Or as we lean into any new trend, uh, any new platform, let's say you wanna be great on TikTok, you better go find someone who has a community on TikTok. And that's gonna be better oh. than just taking somebody who's famous on another screen and just porting them over to this other platform.
0: Mm-hmm. it's 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 about people right and and, and that's awesome Nate we, we we just we just spoke a little bit about um, how uh, interactivity is really important right and how bringing the voice of the fan into the broadcast through um, tweets or, or comments on social media is important but what other? ways are there of promoting that and including that is it is it just about is it just about socials is it just about kind of uh communicating that way or are there other things that that you think from a technology perspective can be done in order to uh, promote that interactivity
2: that's a great question and i think you know yanni we're gonna see we're gonna see a, a pretty big explosion in the next couple of years in terms of the types of interactivity that you can have with different screens um, and and funny, you know, when you when you look at um, you know innovative technologies, don't always catch on super fast, right? And and I think one of my favorite examples, right, uh, of that at the moment is a QR code. So you know, QR codes came about quite a while back, right? And and they just never really took hold because the the barrier to entry for them was large. You had to download an app. Um, Usually those apps were specific to the specific QRs. And so it was nearly impossible to get people to use them, uh, early on where, um, the camera technologies caught up and now basically any Apple or Android phone, you swipe to your camera and it automatically reads QR. Um, that became massive during the pandemic. Uh, even, you know, even though the technology was there prior to the pandemic, Uh, The pandemic really advanced it because people were not touching things. And so whenever they were going anywhere in public, you're scanning QR codes with your camera. And it basically taught the behavior, right? It taught the user behavior. So roundabout now where I think this is going to take us in in regards to interacting with our, our screens and our content is you could be sitting on your couch and watching, uh, you know, Fox NFL Sunday, and if a QR code pops up that asks you a question, it could lead to the Fox Sports app. It could lead to Fox Sports Twitter account for a Twitter poll. It could lead to a thread of comments. Um, you, You know, similarly, you could be sitting in that stadium. Maybe Fox is broadcasting the Seahawks as they're about to crush the 49ers uh, don't mind my bias, um, and you know, and there and there may be uh, there there may be the same QR code that brings you to the same content experience that's going all across the jumbotron, every single concourse screen, every single VIP screen, uh, you know, in the suites, and you could get every bit of those fans, or at least give them the opportunity to interact with the same question, the same content, the same trivia um it, it's really come a long way and we're starting to see that you know inevitably fans are going to have their phone in their pocket they're going to have it in their lap uh, whether they're sitting on the couch or they're sitting in the stadium and so it's you know it's less about hey how do we keep their eyes on the tv and not on their phones it's more about mm-hmm. how do we embrace that they're going to have their phone and try to figure out the right way to engage with them while they're watching that big screen or while they're in person watching the game on the field, and if you can accomplish that, I think the the, the secret weapon at the moment is really the QR code, and um, you know what, what that's doing. And get, just to give you a little bit of a, a, a you know a stat and anecdote, um, we had a a, lo- a local news station. I, I won't, won't throw their name out there, um, but they uh, for the first time threw up a QR code and they had 19,000 people scan it just to take a survey about the weather. It was nuts. It's like, you know, you, you don't know that 19,000 people are even watching your broadcast with definitive information other than, you know, what Nielsen wants to give you, right? But now you can actually see through digital technology, not just who's watching it, but who's interacting closely with it. So... I think that's you know that's what I'm looking forward to seeing. I think it, I think we're going to see a big uptick and explosion over the next couple of years.
0: Well, listen, um, guys, thank you very much. This has been uh, a lot of fun. Uh, really enjoyed it. Really enjoyed the insights and the and the personal stories. Um, for those listening, if you enjoyed it, please do remember to subscribe to our SportsLoft podcast wherever you get your podcasts. Visit us on our web- website, sportsloft.co, and subscribe to our newsletter and follow us on social at SportsLoft HQ. All that remains for me is to say a huge thank you to our partners, our talent partner, SRI, and our wonderful guests. Buck, uh, thank you so much for coming on board. Hope we can do this again soon.
2: Yeah, man. Thank you for having me.
0: And Nate, thanks for coming on board again. Always a pleasure.
2: Yeah, thanks, Yanni. Uh, uh, Signing bonus in the mail, I'm assuming, for my my co-hosting duties.
0: (laughs) It's absolutely coming. Speak to the grandee, Charlie Greenwood. He'll, uh, he'll, He'll get right on it. All right, everybody, thank you very much for your time. And we can't wait to see you next time in the Sports Loft. Goodbye.